Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. Last week we talked about William Borden, the uh, heir to the Borden-Dairy estate. And remember one of the things he said as he was at Yale, he talked about just saying yes to God and no to self every time. And then in his final eulogy, he had the three words written in the back of his Bible, no retreats, no reserves, no regrets. And I watched this video, and I, and I wonder just a little bit within me what that must have looked like for this young girl to say yes to this incredible, incredible promise. See, when we, when we look at artist renditions, or, or when in fact history would tell us that the age of marriage and the age of coming together would have been somewhere between 11 and 13, that at best this girl might have been 12 years old. Mamas and daddies, I want you to get that with me for just a moment. Get that in your mind of what it must have felt like for this 11, 12, 13-year-old girl. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the trepidation? Can you imagine even the wonderment of seeing Gabriel, this high angel of the Lord, coming before her and making these requests of her? Can you imagine the feeling she had with respect to Joseph, the man that she was betrothed or promised to? Betrothal was more than an engagement in our culture. This was a promise. This was as if she were married, and if she had extramarital relationships and conceived a child, she could be put to death. Would he believe her? Did she even believe it? She must have thought, you want me to become pregnant in my virgin womb by the Holy Spirit. Maybe Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 ran across her mind in that moment. Until your son is born, a child is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace maybe maybe that came across her mind in that millisecond of what do i do do i say yes to this impossibility and if i say yes what does that mean for me for my betrothed husband maybe she thought for a moment like many of you do when you're asked that great and impossible thing of god why me but she said yes See, promise has been a part of God's story since the very beginning. If you look in the scripture, Isaac and his son, look at King David. Look at all these people that will carry and nurture this promise. And then I look into the children. That as they left, watch this, even as they're leaving, perhaps 17-day walk from Egypt into the promised land. I want you to get that your mind around that for a moment. That there's a promise of God that may not be so far out there, but for 40 years they wandered around this same stinking mountain that never was even an obstacle. It was of their own making because of their disobedience and their disbelief. And ultimately, watch this, because of their murmuring. They were speaking death over their promise. All the while aborting that hope that lived within them. And watch this, an entire generation missed the promised land wonder today and I say this with respect I say this to our online church I say this to you today I say this to me and speak this over my own life I wonder is there a generation today that we're living in that we're missing the promise he says the promises of God are yes and amen in him to the glory of God the father I wonder are we grabbing onto nurturing believing carrying 
embellishing in that promise today. You individually and us corporately. Here's what I want to speak over your life today. I believe God sent me here to tell somebody today, you are the chosen generation. You are the royal priesthood of God. You are a child of the most high God, the king of kings and lord of lords. Nothing in the world the enemy wants to say to you can trump the greatness that lies in you, the promise and the hope of the world. But will you say yes? I believe that we can see today in our text, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The text we find today is the story that we read all the time, but I wonder, have we, through artist rendition, have we really reduced this to just some little meeting where she's standing there in this bright light and she's all dressed in this perfect attire, she's 20, 21 years old? I don't think it looked that way at all. And in that context, I want you to kind of help me today as we read this. In fact, I'd invite you to stand with me today as we read God's word together. Just out of reverence to this passage in this season that that I believe God is going to do something today very profound in the context of promise in our life. And he says, now in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David. This virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, quote, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Consider what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. How is this possible? For I have not known a man. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And she is now in her sixth month for for her who was also called barren. For with God, here it is, for with God nothing is impossible. And finally we see Mary, this young 11, 12-year-old girl. Watch her retort. Watch of the many, many things she could have said. Watch what she said. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. She said, amen. Let it be according, let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus today, I pray you would help me rightly divide your word of truth with power, with hope that the promise of God would be revealed today in each of our lives, in each of our hearts for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Then who? Carrying story of Mary, this little girl. Let's let's get in our and now it feels a little taboo when we talk about culture, but it was not taboo in the Hebrew culture. I believe we can see not only her story, if you're taking notes and you're one of those people line, is this. It is God who chooses who will carry the promise. It's God's choice. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses one, all the way down to a verse around twelve. We see that in the context of giving over of spiritual gifts, that it's even God who discerns and who gives. The Holy Spirit gets to say, who's going to have wisdom? Who's going to have knowledge? Who's going to be a teacher? Who's going to be a miracle worker? Who's going to be, and just categorically, all the way, it's him 
Who gets to decide? That's what it says in verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, celebrate, behold. And she's probably terrified just at the very sight of this angelic being. But she knew that she knew that there was something standing before her that was a miracle of God. She knew that. There's no doubt that this woman, having been found, having found favor in the sight of God, she studied the Torah. She studied the scripture. She knew of the moment. She knew there was a Messiah coming. And now all this comes to fruition right in front of her. But God chose her. The angel said to her, rejoice. You are a highly favored one. That speaks to anointing. He said, the Lord is with you. I think she probably would have said, I'm really needing you to walk with me on this. Blessed are you, he said, among women. I like to say it this way. I believe God saw something in Mary that Mary didn't even see in herself. You see, not only did she come from an obscure town, Galilee, but a small, obscure city within the town called Nazareth. Oh, and it goes further. She she also came from a very modest home. Yeah, they were of the lineage of David, as was Joseph. They were were related somehow through that lineage. But watch this. She came out of absolute obscurity. No one would have thought that she would have been the one. But watch this. But God does not look to the outside of man. He looks to the heart of man. See, what we see is what people want us to see. Isn't that right? We see the outward expression. If I'm happy and joyful, you measure that by the tell of my smile. All the while not knowing that I'm dying on the inside. We, we do a phenomenal job of just telling this great story. And maybe Mary did. Maybe Mary told the opposite story. Maybe she was a woman of extreme humility. Maybe she was a woman that just carried herself very lowly and meekly. But watch this. God looks past the outer shell of this little girl. And he saw the potential. Watch this. Of not only a woman, not only a mother, but a mother who would carry the most high God in her private little virgin womb. And then not only she would carry it, but she would take the risk and she would go through the process and carry the promise to the point of birthing it, bringing it forth, and then through the ages, nurture it all the way to the point of his death. I wonder, that same God sees something special in you today. Here, here's how we have to grab onto that. What is it that God is saying about you that you can't even accept? God, I'm not, I'm not the one. Who, who are we to tell God I'm not the one? Who are we to, to look at God and say, you, surely, surely, God, you're thinking about the person sitting next to me. Maybe I overheard the conversation, but surely you're not telling me to do that. I wonder if there's anybody in the house like me, and I'll hold my hand up first, that ever feels just a little unqualified. Anybody else in the house can just attest to that with me. Just feels unqualified. Unqualified people let's represent. Let's hold a fist up. See, the book of Colossians says that, that the fullness of God rested in the Son, and watch this, and the fullness of that was put into me that I shall be complete, and he would be the head of the church. It's easy for me to look at that first part and go, okay, I get it. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, they're all one, Trinity, triune God, existing in three persons. Okay, I get the deity of Christ. He's the fullness of God. But what I have a hard time understanding is that fullness lives in me. And in Christ, I too am complete. I'm only unqualified to do what God's called me if I say I am. But he says that I'm 
qualified because he doesn't look at you and your ability. Hear me, this is for somebody today. He just needs your availability. You see, he sees your potential when you see your limitations. He sees your hope when you see your hopelessness. He sees what you're going to become in the end before the beginning ever starts. Before you say yes, he has already written the story of potential in your life. Like I said when we started, are we the generation that's just going to say no to the promise? Are we going to nurture and carry it? Mordecai told Esther, his niece, in the book of Esther, as she went into the palace before the great king to, to plead on behalf of the Jewish people. She had to do this, and she didn't want to because she knew she was going to be killed for busting into and storming into the palace. She knew it because it happened before. As much as her husband loved her, he couldn't allow that. Mordecai called all these people together to corporately pray and fast over this, this moment in time to help her carry the blessing. Because here's what I believe to be true. If you, Danny, are carrying a blessing, your family's walking with you on that blessing. And it will be your family that will help nurture that promise. And the same is true for every one of you watching or in this room today. Listen, make no mistake about it. I may stand here today as the pastor of this church, but my wife helps me to nurture that promise, to carry that, to excite that to come out of me. How many of you ever just wanted to quit? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you won't raise your hand because you're into the palace for such a time. Go in for you. But you know where they're going. So I ask you, we not only see that it's God that chooses. There's been a lot of enough time going out and winning people for Jesus. Slender, leave timelessness and enter into and be born and have to live and have to go through all the. the and I'll, I'll assure you today, the miracles that God speaks, speaks into your life and in my life and in the marriage life is absurdity. We get to choose whether or not to believe the absurdity. Listen to the promise again, verse 30 through 33. The angel said to her, don't be afraid. Don't you love that in Scripture? Don't be afraid. You're asking me to carry the Christ child in my womb, and I'm 11, and you're asking me not to be afraid. Seriously. I mean, I want us to put this there where we live, right? You're asking me to carry the, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor. The, you're asking me to do that, but then you're just, the caveat to that is, oh, don't be afraid brother i'm terrified that's what i am and he goes on to say he says mary for you have found favor in god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son he shall be called the name of jesus he'll be great and he'll be called the son the whole time now she's going through the torah she's going through the book of micah she's going through isaiah she's going she's like going this is the one it's me i get to carry the promise oh my gosh what am i doing i'm gonna do carry the promise and Mary said to the angel, there's one dilemma. How can this be? Because I have not had sexual relations with a man. I have not known a man. This is impossible. I want to tell somebody today that the impossibilities, the absurdities, is the framework by which God does his greatest work in your life. That, watch this. If it were just something that I could do fluently without effort, it would not require a move of God into my life. God's put a word in your heart and a word in your spirit, but you're terrified to speak in front of people. Pull your car up next to Moses. God told Moses, go into Pharaoh's castle and tell him to let my people go. You know what he said? I can't talk. I'm not eloquent of speech. Fine, I'll play your silly game. Here's Aaron. He'll come alongside of you. He'll be your mouthpiece. And not one time in Scripture did he ever speak on his behalf. Because God works his greatest work in your and my impossibilities, in the absurdities of life. I got one for you. While I'm in the neighborhood, let me just kind of drop in here. 
Maybe the absurdity of this little girl speaking back in her heart. You know, we don't know what all was said. Bible said if we have a record of everything that was said and done, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. So there's no doubt she must have taken this back and says, all right, God, I'm saying yes. I'll carry the promise. If not me, then who? But here's the deal, God. God, do you realize I can be killed for becoming pregnant out of wedlock while I'm betrothed? God's like, oh, yeah, I got, I got you. Okay, God, I got one better for you. God, what's this going to look like? I'm going to go tell my mom. Okay, let's put it down here where we live. Mom, dad, what would it look like when she go home? Mom, here's the deal. I'm pregnant. Mom is freaking out. You did what? Oh, no, no. You don't understand. So it's like this, Mom. Gabriel, you know, Gabriel, like the high angel, he came to me and he told me the Holy Spirit was going to impregnate my woman. Mom, fix me some lunch. I mean, he's trying to blow past that. What about the people in town? What are they doing going, oh, highly favored girl you are. You are filled with the whole, no, they're like going, that girl's trashy. That girl right there. Are you with me? Are you with me? That's what we do. If we don't understand it, we just call it something. We put a, put a label on it. God's bigger than that. Oh, that girl, she's been sleeping around. And Joseph is going to, he's going to put her away. There's no question. And we'll tell you next week about what Joseph's response to this was. And how he had to come alongside of her and carry this absurdity. He said, for with God, nothing is impossible. All you got to do in my life, God said, is just believe. And what if you today choose to carry the promise? To believe in the absurdity of what God has spoken into your life. How many of you know this? And you do not have to raise your hand. But when God speaks something absurd in my life and I come into agreement with God, I still need somebody to lock arms with me and help me, remind me that I'm agreeing to it. I need a partner, brother. I need some men. I need some people come alongside of me and said, this is what I have put in you, Mark. You keep charging on. You keep pressing on. Even when it doesn't look like it's working, there's a promise in you and it's got to come forth. You keep going. I need that and you need that. But what do you do in the absurdity of the promise that's being placed into your life and you can't find a soul to come into agreement with you? You need to find yourself in Elizabeth. Verse 39 through 45 says this. Now Mary arose in those days after she was told this. And watch this. And she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her cousin who was barren and who had now been deposited with the hope of the world at that moment. A forerunner to Jesus, John the Baptist, would be her son. And the Bible says there would be no other man born unto woman greater than him. She was barren in her old age. She had already seen the miracle. And watch what she said. Entered to the house. And as it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe within her womb leapt, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. When she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord shall come unto me? For indeed, soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe within my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed, Elizabeth said, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told from the Lord. You need to find Elizabeth. 
You need to find somebody who has grabbed onto the blessing and the promise and the miracle that was birthed in them when there was no hope. And come alongside them and let them tell you, with God, all things are possible. You need to find Elizabeth, somebody who can just remind you that you can agree to this, that you can look past yourself. You need to find Elizabeth. We'll lock arms with you and attack hell with a water pistol for the glory of God. In the smallness of you, you need to gather yourself around somebody, if it's just but one person, who will believe God with you. When everyone else is coming against you and calling you a complete fool for what you believe, you know what God has spoken in and over your life. Carry that promise. Nurture it. We must choose to accept the great unknown. Because see what? Well, she didn't know that day. I know the song is really amazing. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that one day your child would heal the blind eyes? Did you know, Mary, that one day he would raise the dead? Did you know he would walk on water? And Mary's like going, amazing song, but I didn't know any of that. All I knew is I had to take a step in faith and carry this precious baby. How many mamas in the house? Mamas in the house, wave your hand at me. You guys are amazing. I've seen what y'all go through to bring forth a baby. You have the tenacity and the keep going unction to never quit. Now, I do realize in those moments you're screaming at your husband, you're calling the doctor names, and you're, it's ugly. I've been there. Don't want to go there again, ever. But there's a lot of unknown. And mamas, raise your hand again. How do you like these, these young ladies that are, that are posting on Facebook and they, they say, hey, I'm about to have a child. Can, I want you to tell me everything you know and what can I expect? And you're like going, honey, <laughs> you just don't know. What would this pregnancy look like in her life? What would it entail? Would Joseph believe her? These are unknowns for her at this moment. She's got to go tell her boyfriend. She's got to go tell her mom and daddy. She got to go tell the priest. Would she be able to carry this baby full term? The mortality of children in that day was, was, was so incredibly high. I mean, they, they would, it was very common for women to lose two and three children before they would have one. Could they support the child financially? See, it took faith, believing in something she could not see, she could not smell, taste, or feel, or ride down in front of her, and just believe in the unknown. You see, the greatest part of our story is when we get out of the boat and step out into the great unknown. That's when we walk on water, my friend. But you've got to get out of the boat. Get out of the comforts of, of, of just knowing and step into the great unknown. You see, here's what I believe today. That Mary was not just highly favored, but she was anointed. She was anointed. She was chosen by God. Her womb was anointed. Her life was anointed. But, but I'm going to tell you something. And I, and I heard a preacher say this one time, and I, I don't remember who it was, but it really it was really profound. When you think about anointing oil, for example, it comes from olives and, and other mixtures of, of, of incense, myrrh and some other extracts. But, but watch this. The main ingredient is the olive oil. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but before the olive oil comes forward that represents the anointing of God, has to be crushed. Jesus was anointed to do the will of the Father. But what did it say in Isaiah? He is bruised for our transgressions. He is what? Crushed for our iniquities. Jesus came to this earth knowing he was going to be crushed 
on a cross, becoming my sin and your sin and dying as that sin, he would be crushed. You know who else is going to be crushed that day? Mama's in the house. Let me, let me put this one there for you. Imagine with me, if you will, the day her child was born. Not the Messiah, not the anointed one, not the preacher, not the prophet, not the missionary, not this, this man who could do miracles, but that little tiny infant that was born in that manger. And she first cradled this baby in her arms. Can you imagine her looking into her, his face and thinking, oh, man, I don't know what all this, uh, awaits us, but I'm going to go through it with you. Mama's going to be there if nobody else is there. And even we reading the accounts of the Gospels, Joseph is not mentioned after Jesus was 12 years old. She was a single mom. Oh, and by the way, she had six other kids, minimally. She was at his birth. And guess where else she was? She was at his death. She's the only person that was at both places. But I wonder... Because of her anointing, she also had to be crushed. See, it's one thing to be gifted. It's one thing to be talented. Here's what I believe. God's not looking for a bunch of gifted people. I believe God's looking for people who would be willing to be anointed. Or willing to be crushed for the glory of God. Because here's, here's why I say that. I want you to picture with me, if you will, 33 and a half years later. Let's, let's fast forward. That soldier takes that sword and pierces it into the side of her child. I mean, let's move past the fact that it was Jesus for us. That's the story we write. But when he stuck that sword through the side of her baby boy, who, who now was a grown man, who she, she knew who he was. But watch this. Don't you know that it went through her heart at the same moment and crushed her? To, to, for that mom to, to literally get on her knees and have to watch her son be beaten, to watch her son be mocked, to watch her son be stripped of his clothing, all the while she, you know she was wanting to behold your son. You know what he was saying? You, regardless of what some religions think, my friend, it wasn't an immaculate concern. It wasn't because of her womb. It was because of God's seed. And regardless of what people think, she's not in heaven today because she was immaculate and perfect. She's in heaven today only because and only if she came by way of the cross. As did you and I. But make no mistake about it. As a mother, she was crushed. But if you don't accept it, who will? As the band comes out, I'm going to give you what I told you I would give you when I started. I want to give you this, this real quick application that I want you to walk with today. If I choose, stare a hole through me. Nothing else in the room going on right now because this is your moment. This is for you. If you choose to accept, to carry the birth of this promise, then how will you do it? How? How will you do it? We see how she did it. Two very simple but profound points of reference. Don't be diverted by the obstacles. Hear me and hear me loud and clear. When God calls you to an end, there will be obstacles every step of the way. They're inevitable. What I'd like to speak over your life is when you see the promise... Why does the enemy keep 
placing these obstacles in front of me? What is it that's going to take a big promise about? They're inevitable. But it also tells me my need for God along the way. Because, see, it's in those moments that I see that obstacle. And here's what I do. I mean this with all my heart. I heard Ravi Zacharias say this one time, so I know I can say it. This is what I do. I want you to hear me. God, if you've asked me to do this, I'm, I'm asking you to equip me with the tools necessary to do what you've already called me to do. In Jesus' name, I command that obstacle be removed. And you know what he does? He either removes it or he places me in front of it. And it is as if it wasn't there. Every time. Sometimes it's in the last hour. And then... The second thing that I really want to kind of end on and park on for just a moment. If you choose to carry the promise, if you choose to allow God to impregnate your soul with hope and with promise for a generation that's going to outlive you, if you choose to carry it, don't be discouraged by opposition because it's coming. price of God's favor is you will be hated by people. I'll do what I do against of one and that is the one who called me. Immediately puts people against you. As a matter of fact, if I say it this way, if God's on the throne of your life, right now, if God is on the throne of your life, there is opposition at this very second that is rising up against you. And it may even be in your own home. It may be in your own life, in your own workplace. hear me. God may move the obstacles, but I don't believe for one minute that he'll move the opposition. But he will render that opposition powerless in your life. If you're carrying a promise of God today, you know God's spoken something in your life and you want to birth it forth. You want to, you want to nurture it. You want to bring it out. Maybe you have forgotten for a moment. I want you to know God can awaken that promise inside of you today. I want you to do something for me before we close. I want you to get in your mind right now, everybody, that person, that thing that is in direct opposition to God's calling upon your life, that thorn in your flesh, if you will. Get, get that person in your mind's eye right now. Maybe they're not anti-God. Maybe they're just kind of like that friend of me that we talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe they're just a person that, that's a dream killer. But they come in the form of opposition. You got them in your mind? You got them? These words out loud. I want you to say that you don't know what you're doing. Say this. I'm believing right now. And here's what you say. But if your heart remains hard... You are right now becoming irrelevant to me and to the promise that God has put inside of me. Mark, am I giving up on him? No, you're not. But the Bible says he'll make my enemies a footstool. He'll move them to the left and to the right. Listen, if you're not coming in agreement with me, then you're coming in disagreement with God. Gamaliel, in the book of Acts, here's what he told us religious crowd. He said, hey, you guys that are fighting against these disciples, hey, if, don't worry about it. If it be of man, it'll fall. We've seen this before. But here's what he told them. 
But if this thing be of God, you find yourself fighting against the very hand of God. Don't take it too personal. I want you to bow your heads with me today. I don't know what you're carrying inside of you. But if you're running after God's heart, it seems like the enemy is at all out war against you. Know this today. The promise in you is big. It's bigger than big. It's necessary. God sent me here today to tell somebody it may seem impossible to usher you into the promised land. The lost is found where hopeless meets hope will change the world today. Are you the one that will say in chapter 6 and verse 8, who will go for us? Who will I send? And Isaiah says, and I'm asking you to say today, church, here am I. Send me. Then who? I want to take it. I want to carry that promise. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you know him today? Do you know him as the Lord of your life? Do you know him as the Savior of your soul? If you don't, man, today's your day. Make that decision today to say yes to Jesus. The greatest promise you could ever possess is the one of salvation. He would deposit in your soul and in the womb of your heart the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God, the power of Christ in you. But you've got to call upon his name, Romans 10, 13. You've got to admit you're a sinner and you've fallen short the glory of God, Romans 3 and 23. Pray with me right now from your heart to God. If you've never done this before, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, pray this now from your heart to God. Father in heaven, I am a sinner. And I believe in Jesus. If you're watching out there on Facebook, let us know if you pray this. Dear God in heaven, I believe in Jesus. And today, I confess my sins before you. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sin. I accept your promise of eternal hope. Help me to live for you. Save me. In Jesus' name I pray. And every head